0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Women's Health Matters podcast. I am your host, Lucy Townsley, a women's health consultant. I'm a life and health coach, and I'm also a Chinese medicine practitioner. So on this podcast, we have the most amazing speakers who are gonna help you in every direction in your life. Whatever you're going through, there's an answer here. So forget about Dr. Google, just have a listen to these amazing speakers and get ready for the next episode. Also, hit that subscribe button. So today I'm joined by the amazing Dr. V on Women's Health Matters podcast. Um, she's based in America, in North Carolina. hope I had that right. Um, she's married with two children. And um, she's. we were just discussing before we started the podcast that um, she's perimenopausal, just like myself, and suffering from all different symptoms that women go through. So I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us about her amazing work that she's doing.
1: Oh man, thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having me today. And hello, listeners. I am Benita Vernado. I'm a board certified OBGYN and a board certified lifestyle medicine physician. And I recently transitioned out of full time OBGYN to really focus on helping women in a different way. Um, lifestyle medicine actually uses Um, your lifestyle to prevent, treat, and manage disease, Uh, and for me, it's really the root cause um, of how to be healthy physically and mentally, and so um, I have programming around helping women uh, with these issues, uh, including finding meaning and how to incorporate wellness into their lives. Uh, As she said, I am a perimenopausal woman, which... (laughs) Uh, you know, reading it in a book and living it is completely, completely different. And so I look forward to um, to our conversation today. Okay.
0: So I've got, I, I, I write down questions as they come up. So tell us what OBGYN is.
1: So OBGYN stands for obstetrician gynecologist. The obstetrician is the doctor that cares for a woman during pregnancy, after pregnancy. And we, the gynecology part is we can help women get pregnant. Okay. Um, we also help with um, any female issues as far as issues with periods, breast masses, um, abdominal pain, uh, hormonal issues. Um, depending on what hormones are out of whack, we might um, refer you to a specialist a, a reproductive endocrinologist, which is a, a special form of an OBGYN. But what I really love about it is we're the we're the doctor that focuses on you being a woman, those areas that might not be addressed by your other providers. So we do your routine pap smears, we make sure you get your mammograms and we make sure that that you're healthy overall and we sexual health and helping you transition through menopause and from having a baby and what life is after that and all of those stages that we go through as women, um, which is, I, I, I don't get tired of it. It's, it's really wonderful to be be there for women at all of those different stages of life.
0: How did you make that transition so i my background is chinese medicine so they you know they really do look at the whole picture it's not just about the symptom it's about getting to the root cause which is really interesting actually and um i love the way they try and keep the diagnosis really simple now it can be very complicated but they try and keep it on a simple framework so how did you because often. gps gynecologists obstetricians they wouldn't really be into as they call it alternative medicines i know it's terrible and i love i love doctors who and we have some amazing doctors here in ireland who do really love alternative and they do recommend you go and see an acupuncturist or someone who's just talking therapy so how did you transition to being i'm going to say open minded about you know changing <laughs> lifestyle that's a big loaded question for you, yeah,
1: <laughs> open-minded is, yeah, when you start out in medicine, you want to help people. you want to heal people. and when you go through medical school, you learn one way, and they call it we call it the practice of medicine, and there's an art to it. and sometimes you don't fix people and you don't heal people, and there's some intangible that you're like, I just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, And if you are a lifelong learner, which is what we tell uh, the medical school admission (laughs) committee (laughs) that we wanna learn for life. Um, If you start learning about um, the conditions that you treat and manage, you'll find that there are other ways um, that complement your treatment. So honestly, I cannot, I cannot remember how I made the transition, but um, I'm always very connected to my patients. And I I just, I wanted to be able to help them in a deeper way instead of, okay, let's just do a pap smear, get your mammogram and you're out the door. Mm. And somehow I found lifestyle medicine, um, which kind of led me to health coaching. And when I got to health coaching, then it was all about, you know, the patient being in the driver's seat and you really partnering with the patient, um, regarding their wellness. And so honestly, Lucy, I guess it's just who I am as a person. Um, I I realized I didn't fit in medicine anymore because of the time constraints uh, and because of the box you kind of have to stay in. Um, And I really feel like there is a need for medical professionals like myself going into these other areas and validating some of the science behind what they're doing and bridging that gap. So um, it's been really rewarding for me to learn something new. Yeah, that's amazing. That is good because I think
0: you have to, like, as I was saying before we started this, you need both. You need a medical doctor to examine what's going on internally you need the testing you need as a mammogram the smear tests blood tests yes because you need that because yeah, that's something that I can't do so it's incredibly important that you do need to keep um seeing your GP your obstetrician your gynecologist if they're the same but you know to keep seeing mm-hmm. them to keep yourself healthy and I think a lot of women um I don't know if you find this leave their own health to the last possible second they're often (laughs) dragging themselves into your clinic because they can't keep going anymore
1: which is that's why I created a podcast because I've women would come to me after years and years of of struggling and I mean taking example for an example um heavy painful periods. Like they're horrible. They've been horrible, but their mothers were horrible. Their grandmothers were horrible, and they just thought it was normal. And it's not until the woman like has to have pain medication to function, and she's soiling her clothes at work, that she finally comes in. And so, um, the podcast was just a way for me to get it out to say, "Hey, this is this ain't normal. This ain't right." I'm from the south. Yeah. We say ain't. It's not right. It ain't right. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. And even when we know, even when we know things aren't right, we still um, we still don't don't put ourselves as a priority. Uh, we try to manage it on our own. You know, we try to patch it up. And, and I'm being honest. I'm speaking for myself, too. Uh, we try to fix it on our own. And um I, I really love that women are warriors and are protectors of their children. Um, but sometimes I feel like that is to their detriment. And we need more balance in those areas.
0: I, I actually 100% agree with you. I remember uh, treating a young girl who came to me who was about, it was a few years ago now, about 13 or 14. And she was, lying on the bathroom floor every time her period came and I was like this is not normal this should not be happening and she was like but it happens every month I thought it was normal imagine a young girl age 14 going through this for the first you know like only a year of periods and facing the rest of this for the rest of her life
1: rest of the life yeah and having your mother see you on the floor and I don't know that particular case but having your mother see you on the floor and not getting you help mm. because she didn't know that that wasn't normal mm-hmm. she doesn't mm-hmm. know so she can't help her daughter get better
0: yeah it's true yeah. and then i don't know uh going to the doctor and most get i don't know what it's like in america but most young girls here get put onto the pill without investigating and i don't know how you feel about that what do
1: you think about
0: that scenario
1: Oh my goodness. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I just like literally an hour ago just recorded a podcast with a, a young woman who's probably like the woman we were just talking about and how she got on the pill and that kind of disrupted her hormones and I think it's a tool. I think it's a tool for some women. Um the condition that usually puts women on the floor during their periods is called endometriosis and when it's pretty far gone, that's one of the more potent things that you can do to help a woman. Um, but surely there are some alternatives. Again, I am learning. I am learning. I am learning. But one thing I do know is that our diet, what we eat, how we move, has a lot to do with contributing to some of these Um diseases. You know, we are eating meats that are, you know, pumped full of hormones, and you know, that's affecting us. And so um, we're overweight, we're obese. Well I'll say that for Americans, we're obese. And so we have more estrogen. And you know, estrogen is something that feeds endometriosis. So while we have the peel as an option, we, we really do need to balance that With the other component of what can we change with our diet, um, our lifestyle that will slow the progression of this disease down as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I know. I agree with you on all of those points, diet, exercise, sleep, having fun. I always put having fun in there because they forget that one, (laughs) you know, yeah,
1: yeah, that's one of the pillars of health. Yep. It's in there. So, yep, that's a. I love the way you say that, though, having fun.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> important, isn't it? So that that brings me to another question that is battered around a lot, especially in perimenopause and menopause, is estrogen dominance. It's a word that's really you know comes along. It's a word I never really knew about until maybe five or six years ago, um, when I was going starting my one well, longer actually ten years ago when my perimenopausal sign started. Um, mine were due to stress, actually, and so I was able to get there on. You get my hormones back level again, but um, yeah, estrogen dominance—that's a big word.
1: <laughs> yes, it is, and I think I, I've, I've never referred to it as estrogen dominance. Um, I feel like that's a fairly new term, uh, but you know, something is happening to your ovaries, and your brain is telling your ovaries what to do, and. Um, you know the signals are um, are different. You know your brain usually your your pituitary talks to your ovaries and tells your ovaries to make estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. And then when you have those those levels are up, there's a feedback mechanism to your brain to say, "All right, we got enough hormone," and then your brain chills out. Uh, but what's happening in menopause or perimenopause is your estrogen levels are dropping. And so your brain is flooding your body to, to wake up your ovaries, essentially. And when your ovaries do wake up, then they're like, oh, we're going to produce a whole bunch of estrogen. And we, we're we doing this. We're hormonally um, not stable, not stable. And I think if, um, if women know that, that that's what's happening at that, that time of their life, I think it would help um, a lot. Um, and just having some education that this is a transition. Um, we can't, we go through puberty and this is kind of puberty in reverse.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And it does end. I think that's the whole point. with <laughs> it, does. <laughs> it does end. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's a good one. So that would lead me to the next question about um, HRT. There's so much controversy over HRT. Yeah. Should you take it? Shouldn't you take it? Is it safe? Breast cancer, cancer, all of those big things around HRT. What's your opinion on it?
1: So again, I'm a traditionally trained physician and I've seen some of the worst cases. I've had patients who wake up in the middle of the night and their pajamas are soaking wet, their sheets are soaking wet, they have to take a shower that's um, that's a menopausal symptom, and that's severe. So for patients who are in the severe range, I think hormone replacement therapy is a great tool because you have a severe problem. Um, some of the more natural alternatives are not as potent as the hormone replacement tablets. Now, if you get a hot flash every now and again, no, you shouldn't be on hormone replacement and the rule of thumb when we're prescribing it is that you should be on the lowest dose for the shortest amount of time possible. The first step when, and I'm gonna kind of go off on a tangent, the first step when someone gets diagnosed with diabetes or hypertension, we tell people to change their lifestyles. And I think we can say the same for the perimenopausal period.
0: The I women who- you on that one because- oh.
1: <laughs> yeah the,
0: you know, really it's that's super advice I, I, I shouldn't interrupt but it's really
1: super advice that one very good <laughs> all right we're definitely on the same page and and I guess you know we're so used to kind of we want to fix people's problems fast you know we want to make it go away and here in America you know there's a pill for every eel um, but you know I really want to empower women that they can help themselves um, the, the healthiest, well, not the healthiest, I won't say the healthiest, but the women who do best transitioning through menopause are women who walk every single day, like walking, 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 walking. Um, and there are certain inflammatory foods that we eat, like, you know, certain vegetable oils and processed foods, um, that really just contribute to overall dysfunction in our bodies. And, um, I think if we had a little bit more knowledge about that, that would help, So to your listeners, listeners, I'm not saying that you don't need hormone replacement therapy, but if your symptoms are are mild or moderate, you know, consider the uh, lifestyle approach first. If you're not sleeping at all, at all every night, and you're one of those women that is really, uh, your quality of life is disrupted, I think you can start with hormone replacement therapy and then consider other options. Regarding breast cancer, you know, alcohol, alcohol puts us at risk for breast cancer. And I never hear anybody telling women to cut back on wine. I never hear that. They don't. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. What did you want to say, Lucy? <laughs> I said, thank goodness. <laughs>
0: Sometimes I need a glass of wine. Sometimes
1: you need a glass of wine. But, you know, there are other things that definitely can can put you at risk for breast cancer. And there are things that you can eat that can reduce your risk of breast cancer. So I think if you get the tool that you need to help you for that period of time, I think it's okay. I definitely don't think that it should be viewed as a mainstay and I'm going to be on it for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think that's it gets
0: confusing. I, I um, again, like I can't prescribe HRT because it's not I'm not a GP, but they um, I know I do know that, again, from my experience of seeing women coming into my clinic that um, they, you know, almost sometimes demand HRT because it's the only solution for menopause. They think it's the only solution, whereas there's so many, as you said, lifestyle changes that you can make, like walking. Like that's that's so simple, and so mm-hmm. everybody can do that.
1: Everybody can do it.
0: You know, like there's no excuses for not walking every day and making that time for yourself to do it. And I think yeah, it's um, we come up with a million excuses. I know myself that if I don't exercise first thing in the morning. I will, and I don't like doing housework. I will tidy the house rather than <laughs> exercise. It's so bad because I just can't, go. but if I have it done first thing, then first it's, thing. yeah, and it's done then. It's kind of like a job ticked off the box.
1: Um, Absolutely. Yeah. As- that, that's so important. And and like you said, it's simple. It's simple in theory, um, but depending on how your life is set up, it can be challenging to incorporate that in. I am trying to, um, I'm trying to encourage women to get up early in the morning. Uh, if you are a mother, if you're a wife, if you are some other to someone else, that morning time is really your time to really focus on yourself. And and you should do that every, every single day. Uh, but I will say there is, there's, there's some desperation um, for some women. And, and I don't take that lightly. I mean, I've even had patients. It was really interesting. A woman I'd taken care of for quite some time and she started going through menopause and she started having problems in large crowds. Like she got very, very anxious. She went to a baseball game and she just was felt like everybody was, you know, caving in on her. And so her, her, depression and anxiety was really out of whack because of um, of the hormonal changes. And so I, th- I think it is a case-by-case basis, mm-hmm. but as you just said, everybody can walk and, and exercise um, and what you eat is important.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, completely. And again, the fun element has to come Have in too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fun. for so this is a question I often wonder myself, um, so you you know your hormones are out of sync because you're getting hot flushes, you know, maybe weight gain particularly around that middle. Wow. anxiety is a big one that really kicks in and you can be the calmest person and suddenly, you know it it creeps up a little bit. And again, I know that for myself, it kind of comes in, and I'm aware that it's changes going on in my hormones. I'm aware of that, but a lot of women aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, how how well, like what is the best way of testing your hormones?
1: Yeah, everybody always wants a test. And I I get that. Um, And there are some integrative um, um, forms of medicine, functional medicine that will do like salivary tests to see how much estrogen you have. The test that we use in traditional medicine is we use an FSH, which is follicular stimulating hormone. And then we can check estradiol as well. But Remember, I've previously said that your brain is talking to your ovaries. And so we kind of have this seesaw effect. So those tests aren't always that reliable because, you know, it might be good one moment and you check a few weeks later and it's not. Uh, And so really, I like to go on symptoms of a woman. I will definitely um, really do a deep dive if a woman is presenting with um, perimenopausal symptoms and she's young, like she's in her 30s, maybe early 40s, average age of menopause is 51. And and menopause technically is when you have not had a period for one year. And so if there's a young person who is having these symptoms and I I dig into it, but yeah, there are are lots of tests that um, I think are very expensive. Um, I am not a specialist in that area. Um, And in traditional medicine, there have been questions on the validity um, and the usefulness of of those tests. Okay, that's interesting.
0: That is interesting. Um, So generally with women, it's kind of more the symptoms that you look at to to know what stage they're in at the the signs of it. I know um, quite a lot of women here, it's... um, menopause has got a very bad rap you know that it's for women that are kind of Old and past it and not worthy and you know it's really bad it's it's, it's, I know it's so awful and I I just for me I think it's just the next phase in your life and in Chinese medicine they have life cycles so every seven years it's a life cycle so 49 Mm -hmm. is another life cycle which is slightly maybe you know you're going into the menopause you mightn't be there yet but at 49 you're heading in that direction so the next seven year cycle is happening and I kind of like that approach that it's you know, I just look at it as a, the next phase, like you're, you know, you're Um, for some cultures as well, like that, you know, they they can kind of throw off the veil, as it were, and get out there and be in the yeah. world, drive cars and do things again. I don't Bye. know what what the culture is in America. Is it the same as here around menopause?
1: So... Let me just say, who wants to have a period for the rest of their life? No one. <laughs> Nobody wants a period. So we definitely welcome that. Um, but yeah, I think there's some miseducation around, you know, what to expect with menopause. Everybody knows about the weight gain and everybody knows about the slowing of the metabolism, um, which, you know, there's some workarounds there as well, Um you know, I'll speak for myself. I am welcoming it. If I'm not in menopause, if I don't get there, then that means I'm I'm dead. And so it's just a part of life. It just like is a that. part of life. Yeah. But I try, um, you know, young women probably in late 30s, you know, I would definitely say start talking to, you know, your providers, your practitioners about the changes that happen because you start to lose muscle mass and your metabolism slows. And there are a lot of things that if you would just do it in your thirties, that as you ease into your forties and in that perimenopausal um, range, you will, you will be much better off, much better off if you prepare now and not wait until it hits.
0: That is so true. That, that is, it's almost like when your period starts, it's a healthy period and then that continues on so you get you know that you can get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy and then on to menopause yeah it's very true but i think if we went back if i went back and told my younger self she'd be like whatever (laughs) do you know (laughs) i know she would i know she would she'd be like what do you know old person Uh...
1: I like that. I
0: like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I definitely would have ignored myself as an older person, definitely. But it's true if we could educate young women, young girls, this this path of eating the right foods and and mm-hmm. um sleep and um you know looking after themselves, that it would be, yeah, as you said, the transition would be so much better, much, much better. So yes, you mentioned um about weight gain and um, often women do a lot of fasting um, again from Chinese medicine point of view um, fasting would be better in the nighttime. you know from like seven in the evening to seven eight o'clock in the morning until you break your fast and you have your breakfast um, I think that's and it's sleep then is a way of losing weight that's how they contribute it for their circadian rhythm again from mm-hmm. a you know a, a, a medicine point of view What's your thoughts on like weight gain and foods for inflammation or foods? Because that puts pressure on the body as well.
1: Yeah, it really does. And it puts pressure on us mentally, you know, Mm. especially, you know, here in America, we have a certain aesthetic that is held in high regard. And as you get older, you don't look like that anymore. And so um, I am not going to say I'm an expert in fasting and all of the weight loss trends. um, And some of them are trends or new methods. But one thing that we do know is that um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned what you said about the circadian rhythm, because when you're not sleeping, that contributes to weight gain. Um, I am a spiritual person. Uh, I'm a Christian. I believe there's a good Lord above that created us. And I just don't think he makes it that complicated. I I don't think that we have to to count and measure and do macros and micros and all of these things to live. I think if your body is hungry, if you're hungry, then you eat. If you're thirsty, you drink. Like I think it's more simple than we make it. Now, what you eat and what you drink is really probably the problem and and maybe where some of the education comes in. Um, But yes, I I do fast. I do like to stop eating um, two hours before bedtime. That would be ideal, Um, three hours if possible. Um, But I tried intermittent fasting and to use your words, I was not having fun. Like, I it, actually, just, it just wasn't fun I felt like I was starving myself and I'm like I get the science behind it but I you know quality of life is also important to me too so I actually
0: couldn't agree with you um, or, you know more on though, all those words because often women would come into me and complain of weight gain and trying this diet that diet that diet and it's not working and I'm just like well just it's really about as you said if you're hungry Make sure you eat because your body holds on to the holds on to it otherwise yeah and eating the right foods it's your choice isn't it it's what choice you make mm-hmm. um you know, reaching for i i consciously um i love chocolate and as a glass of wine you know i love those things a bag of crisps but i try to consciously go for something like fruit. I know that sounds really boring or like a handful of raisins. I'm not a big peanut fan, so I don't go for peanuts, but you know, something like that where, or some dried fruit, just something that's not processed sugar. Yeah, you know. Now, don't do it all the time at all. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I had a bag of crisps this evening, but and I think if you eat, and not to feel guilty about eating the wrong food sometimes, do you know? And you're right. It is about just eating healthy, and that period of fasting in the night time because it's easy to do when you're asleep.
1: Yeah, that's just how it's meant to be. I um, I will say that if. So in lifestyle medicine, we promote a plant predominant diet, a whole foods, plant based diet. So eliminating the processed foods. We have to realize that those manufactured foods are really wired to light up our taste buds. And so if you really start to lean more towards plant based, then when you go back to those things, they're too sweet or they're too salty. Um, And you start feeling the benefits of all of the energy you get from um, from eating plants. Now, in our culture, people work way too much. Um, We work way too late. Um, And it's hard to 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 maintain a plant based diet because it means you have to grocery shop, you have to prep and you have to be very dedicated um, to it. But. Like you said, trying to lean in. And if you have a bag of crisps, which I think are chips, (laughs) I guess, then it's okay. It's okay. But at least you're headed in the right direction. Yeah.
0: I think it's, I don't know, again, from my experience in my clinic, I, you know, I see women coming in and they're almost torturing themselves, trying to be good And sometimes it's okay to be bad on the, you know, like, do you know what I mean? In moderation, not, and not to feel guilty about being bad. You know, if you have a dessert or you have a bar of chocolate or something.
1: And if I can't, I'm gonna correct you, eating a bag of crisp or some chocolate is not necessarily bad, you know? Everything in moderation. Now, if you eat, you know, two bags of chips, family size, (laughs) Yeah. That's a little bad. Yeah. But, you know, every now and again, um, we just really have to be kind to ourselves um, and just try to to make better choices. The other thing is that, you know, we need support um, around these issues. I mean, any lifestyle change that we're trying to make, um, if you can find a community that will support you, if you can have your family buy into any aspects of it. Um, it will be a lot better. But when we torture ourselves, it's really not mentally healthy. It is not mentally healthy. And you almost end up binging when you do that, when you deprive yourself of those things that you consider bad. And you end up eating more of it than if you just let yourself have it. It's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Because food kind of gives you a comfort. And if you don't, if you can't find something else that provides that comfort you're just going to go straight back to food again it's finding Mm -hmm. another vehicle that satisfies your need I think yeah
1: that's That's well said Lucy I like that yeah well said
0: thank you thank you Mm -hmm. so for my listeners what you know for these women who are suffering with their periods coming into perimenopause or even trying for a baby what would you be your best advice you could give them
1: Ooh, the, the trying for the baby threw me for a loop because usually when couples are faced with that problem, I always tell them to um, to mentally try to relax mentally and to not fixate and focus on the problem, to just see it as a journey, and which is hard to do. I did not have fertility issues. Um but what i would say is give yourself some grace identify the problem and you know recruit those people or groups that can help you figure this out um, i think a good place to start is with your with your doctor if you're having problems if you don't know what's normal or if you even think that something's not right and and you don't like it or it makes you uncomfortable I would encourage you to ask, to ask for help, uh, and not necessarily from our girlfriends or from our family members because sometimes they don't know. Um, but I think as as women, sometimes we just accept things. Um, we would never do that with our children. Like, I mean, our kids get a cold and we demand an antibiotic. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a exactly. virus. The body will take care of it. No, I wanted I want an antibiotic for my child. Um, But when it comes to us, we just kind of just, you know, we we take it. So I think asking for help and mentally. um, You know, giving yourself some grace as far as um, the challenges that you're facing um, is very helpful.
0: Mm, that's really good advice. It is actually super good advice. I, 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 word it slightly differently. I would say, um, you know, have your channel of trying for your baby, but also have your life channel, you know, that you're doing mm. stuff, going away for a weekend or meeting your friends, going to a wedding. Cause generally that's that age group that yeah. are trying because yeah. although I, I found that some, some women just stopped everything and they, you know, again, the fun elements, they forgot mm-hmm. about having fun. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. brilliant advice to them. Yeah. It really I is. I like
1: that. Yeah. A life it's... channel and a, a, a baby channel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, like I didn't know. I was just trying to explain it in a way that's kind of, you know, like, do you focus on having your baby and have the that awareness in your head of ovulation time and your signs and um you know that's the time to try but also like remember to have fun at the same time you know both while having sex and also
1: for life you know right yeah right and you reduce your cortisol levels when you reduce the stress you know and cortisol is telling your body this is not a good time to have a baby because we're running from a bear you know so it's more complicated than that um but but stress does play a role Um, and, and obviously there are other reasons that people cannot conceive, um, but, um, stress is never, um, a good thing for, well, I can't say it's not a good thing, but, uh, we don't want a constant state of stress, um, which is when you're describing when they're fixated on, you know, trying to have a baby and not having fun, that's what can happen.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. It does happen because it's, it's tough, especially when everyone around you is, having children or, you know, I think you just focus in more on it. You just see every pregnant woman or every mm-hmm. woman with a brand new baby being carried in on one of those little rocker top things or pushed along. It's really hard, isn't it? That, that, that happens.
1: Yeah. And it's little things. It's um, it's little things, but I don't know. I, I have seen couples that once they've kind of relaxed and just said, we're gonna, you know, we're done with all the treatments. I have seen a few instances where they conceive, Or they expand their idea of what having a family looks like, you know, adoption. I mean, the whole goal is to have a baby. Um, And so sometimes adoption is is an option. Um, I had a, gosh, one patient. It was so beautiful. I was doing her breast exam. (laughs) She (laughs) was telling me the story of her infertility. I think it was like 10 years. And she just finally surrendered and said, God, you know, that's it. We're done and it was like a few weeks later, her cousin, who was addicted to drugs, like could not take care of her children. And like, she had four kids, like two weeks after she surrendered. oh my <laughs> and, and she always wanted to be a mother. And she's thinking being a mother is coming through her body. And immediately she was given four children. And um, she was so happy. She was so happy. And she was she was almost sad for the woman that um, didn't see it another way, um, that her heart could be filled in a different way and she could still be a mother.
0: That is really beautiful. I've heard heard similar stories like that where a woman has tried for so long and I know a case where a woman tried for so long and her brother died, but he left two little boys. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. she became a mom to the two little boys. Alongside their their mom, but their mom needed really needed her support. So the yeah. boys had like two moms. Do you oh. know it was it was really lovely. I I love those those type of stories because yeah. there are
1: beautiful.
0: a lot of children out there that need a mom
1: or a dad. Need A, a mom and a dad, yeah. absolutely need a mom and a dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll so. only be too delighted, so they will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. So uh, on that amazing note, I'm going to say thank you so much for being a superstar guest. And if anyone like from my, you know, someone who listens to this podcast, can they contact you or do you run a program? How how can they, how can you help them?
1: So absolutely. So first, if you want to hear more of uh, the information and education we've talked about, you can go to my podcast, Office Visits with Dr. V. And it's on Apple, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, I have a website, officevisitswithdrv.com. with drv.com. And there you can get all of the information about my coaching services, um, about my programs. I'm currently um, launching a program called Delivering Destiny, the prescription for your health and happiness, which really focuses on that meaning piece and having fun first and then adding in the other health elements and so um, I'm very accessible also on Facebook and Instagram. Gorgeous well that'll be an yeah. exciting
0: program to have because I think you need those um, I think as women we as, as we said right in the beginning we try to do it ourselves and I think we need a tribe of women to help each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, exactly
1: exactly community is so important and uh, I think we all saw that during the pandemic. You know mm-hmm. the importance of connection, uh, but you know there are studies that I mean they they've have studies that show the um, the importance of connection and community. And when you feel alone, loneliness is 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 a disease and you know it can really affect your health in a negative way so so yeah so I'm doing a lot of great things I love being an OBGYN but I really just feel like I'm entering a new cycle of my career to help women um, really get to a point of their lives where they can you know fulfill their dreams you know feel their destiny and um, just become a better version of themselves
0: yeah, I love that. I love that, fulfilling your destiny. It's so true. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. so true. Uh, just one last thing before I let you go. Um, it's interesting that we. my dad is over visiting me from the UK, and we were out last night. We were getting something to eat, and he started chatting to this young guy beside him. And he goes, people have lost the art of talking to each other because they just be looking at their phones all the time. <laughs> and it's so true. And this young guy had to engage with my dad because he was talking to him and he had to put his phone down and talk and they were laughing and he goes, see, Mm -hmm. isn't
1: that much better. So it's true. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes we need our our older, um, our older, wiser uh, elders to help us because they're not on the phone. (laughs) No, exactly. they are barely on the phone. And so they still appreciate (laughs) face-to-face connection. Absolutely.
0: Totally agree with you. Okay. Again, thank you very much for being a super guest. I know we'll add all those links in the hyperlink at the bottom of this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Lucy. My pleasure.
0: What can I say? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. Don't forget to share it with your friends and also hit that subscribe button.
1: We've got some more amazing guests and speakers coming up.